You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Yeah, I evolved from it when I stepped on my mind stomach. The becoming that I got is not stunning. I arrive and I want it, but it's niggas running. I am what it's worth, getting greener, it's not cursed. When I emerge on the screen, earth. Knew what I wanted, I couldn't converse. My temper's my outburst, plus my mama's kind words. Pop gleam, a little version of him. Start to pick up steam, this the American dream. Sliced from that Altman gene. Current highs, my esteem, plus my dream sheath, the times team. Any cake can create, get icing. I live bright as brightlings like kings. Anything I want is not a pipe dream. Get our means, they'll be busting at the seams. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter. I am joined by my two co-hosts. What's up, Brittany? What's up, Pipe? How are you? What's up, Dave? Hey, I'm good. How are you, ladies? Good. good. So we didn't have a podcast last week, and so much has happened in like two weeks, but um Let's just catch up for a minute with one another. What's been going on? Um, what's been going on with you, Deja? How's life in quarantine for you? My quarantine is actually over because I'm back to work. Boo. When did Don't you like start? it? Um, last Monday. Well, technically last Sunday was my first day back. We had like this little meeting about what the protocol would be um moving forward as we reopen the store. And um then, like, I officially started working again with the patients and everything on Monday. Okay, so you said you say what day did you start again? Um, so I guess you could say Monday because Sunday we didn't deal with anyone. We were all just there as a staff um, talking about what we would do going forward with social, uh, social distancing in the store. So doctors uh, won't be seeing any patients for real, like, they're only going to allow up to four people in the waiting area at one time. And since there are like two doctor's offices in our building, um, they share that waiting area. So both offices can only have two patients in there at, at a time. Um, but for the most part, they try to keep the waiting area empty so that there's not like people around each other. So like a tech will come get the patient as soon as they check in and try to avoid having the patient just linger around. And they're not allowed to go look at glasses by themselves. So everything is different. It's weird. People have to try on glasses with a mask and no one really knows what they look like. And we have to sanitize everything more than we did before. So that's, it's just like more little tedious things now. We're already clean because like we're the health system. But yeah, we just do extra, extra stuff now. So what And is we have less people. About, um, what sanitation looks like for you like there um so for the glasses because like normally we use 99.9 percent alcohol on everything but that usually will mess up the material of the frames or the lenses even so we have to use a peroxide and water mixture to disinfect the glasses um between every patient who have if you touch a pair of glasses you have to disinfect it and wash your hands um we're all required to wear masks if you're not wearing glasses, you have to wear a face shield. Um, what else? We all wear gloves when we're dealing with patients. Everyone that enters the building has to get pre-screened and have their temperature taken, even if it's just a mail carrier dropping something off. Um, yeah, 
it's just a lot of little stuff. So, uh, so when you get your temperature taken, like, what is it? Is it like uh, on your finger or is it in your mouth? Hello? Deja? Are you there? Deja, did we lose you? Hello? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened, but um, um, what was the question? I'm sorry. No, I was saying when you get your temperature taken, is it on your finger or, or your mouth? Oh, actually, it's this little, like, wait, is this... I don't want to call it a gun, but it's just like this handheld device that they put near your forehead or your temple and it detects the temperature. I don't think it's accurate because um, it just, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's accurate because sometimes it gives everyone the same readings or even like the women in our store that are menopausal and they're always hot, like hot to the touch, like their temperatures come back low. It just says, I don't think it's accurate, but they do it anyway because they have to. And that's the only one that we have. So, yeah. Is it like a <laughs> laser or something? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a laser. Oh, wow. Okay. I never, I never, uh, I've never seen that. I'm going to have to try to look that up. You heard about? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hold on, you guys. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think... Like, I've only seen, like, some of the temperature-taking methods that they've been doing, you know, um, in China. I haven't, well, I did see the ones that, you know, what they were doing. I think it was, like, check the checkpoints in Colorado. But, mm. um, but I haven't, and I've, and I've also read that the different businesses, as they're starting to open, are going to be, um, you know, doing all this different uh, methods of temperature taking. But um, I haven't, I still haven't left my house. I think it's like been 12 weeks or something like that now that I haven't left my house. So I don't even know what the outside world is like. I only know, like I, I went to my backyard today. I got some sun and I hung out there for a while, got some fresh air. It was warm. It was like, 80 something but mm -hmm. uh, I'm only learning about you know now that, that you know when I'm reading everything that uh cities are opening and different opening plans and so I'm kind of curious as to you know what these methods are that um that folks are taking to like take folks temperature so that that's kind of interesting to me because I saw uh it looked as if most of the people had something that like went in somebody's mouth. But then I saw the ones that also do the finger or something mm. like that. But, um, but I the had finger seems better point. than the laser that we use, but I wouldn't want to put, I wouldn't, I would not be okay with someone putting something in my mouth. <laughs> like nowadays, that's just not sanitary anymore. <laughs> <to me. laughs> I was scared. I was like, I was like, I'm yeah. leaving my house if they put something in my mouth. Mm -mm. I don't want I'm my so something in my mouth. But um, yeah. a lot of people, um, like I know at the pizzeria, I haven't started back working there yet, but they did open back up. And they are telling people to bring their own like baby thermometers for the reason y'all talking about the to put it in the mouth. 
And then really? the laser, yeah, the laser one is actually like the most high tech one you can you can get. Um, a lot of people are like uh, corporations and stuff are using the laser. Mm-hmm. It's pretty high tech. I don't know how accurate it is. I've never because I've never personally used it, but a lot of people, a lot of people are using the laser. I think that's the that's the most expensive and newest version of a thermometer. Yeah. So so Brittany, what what have you been doing for the last, you know, couple of weeks since we spoke on the podcast like two weeks ago? Like you're uh, back to real uh, life, right? Is well, well, no, I mean, I'm quarantined. I mean, I put a, I've been putting a lot of effort into working out a lot. So still doing that Well, cooking, working on recipes, working on stuff, um, organizing things still, um, put the auto winter clothes away. Um, that's about it. Nothing, nothing really, mm-hmm. nothing at all. Your workout is what? The running you told us about? The 5K? Uh, yeah, prepping for uh, 5K. And then I do like in-house stuff. I like stretch, stretch really well. And then I do like an in-house workout. And then I go and I run. And then that's about it. Don't spend too much time, but just try to be disciplined with it. And um, really, that's it, Pipe and Dej. Nothing for real. Um, as far as work goes... Um, we're still working from home until it's extended. I mean, because it got extended again. Um, uh, other than that, just going with the flow, be honest, no complaints really. Um, it's interesting just to see, um, the flow of traffic kind of change has changed. I've noticed more people are out for sure. Um, and the governor extended her, um, stay-at-home order the governor of michigan yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um and it's interesting because you know she has the three sort of like what would you call them they're they're kind of ta- their task force but they're also um they they kind of like, guide her decisions you know um, yeah one is like for the businesses operations another one's for the health and medical systems and then the other one is the uh is the activist, you know, um, an an environment. And it says, um, so like the first one was supposed to go until May the 28th, which I think is in a couple days. And that one had like everything pretty much closed, um, like theaters, gyms, casinos, you know, stuff like that. Um, a lot of public places with public seating. Um, and so, now she's doing something that's called the safer at home order. And um, she relaxed a lot of the emergency measures. Um, so she, what she signed into order that uh, she's going to reopen like certain retail businesses, like bookstores and clothing stores. Um, but she's going to mandate that, uh, you know, to keep the distancing and the protective equipment um you know in place um what else uh also not a lot also um for any gatherings that are like above 10 people then you know continuing with the social distancing um 
I think initially you remember the bars and clubs, well, not clubs, but the bars and restaurants um, were only allowed like 50, what is it, like 50% capacity. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, just, you know, obviously continue with like a takeout and delivery service, like encouraging that, um, incur- like pretty much encouraging uh, folks to stay home if, if, if they don't like have to go to work, right? Um, what else? I mean, those are the biggest things, but uh, she pretty much was using the state of emergency, the declaration of state of emergency until June the 19th. So that's, that's about another month that, uh, you know, this is going to stay in place. And, but, it, but you're right, Brittany, a lot of stuff is uh, pretty much open and it's just open in a different way. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I think it's, uh, it's pretty organized the way she's doing it to your point. Like the, the six phases she's doing, I think we're in the flattening phase. Um, and then there's, uh, there's three other stages after that. There's the improving, then there's the containing, and then there's the post-pandemic. So I think, um, I think the, the improving, which is the fourth phase, is saying that uh, additional lower-risk businesses with strict safety measures, other retail with capacity limits, offices, but telework required if possible. So I'm hoping that it doesn't, I mean, I'm hoping if it's, if it's safe enough, I'm hoping that June 19th will be going into the next phase in Michigan. So I know a lot of people traveled up to Traverse City this weekend because that part of the state was open. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of people go up there anyway for like Memorial Day and uh, 4th of July, because that's where a lot of people have uh, lake property. So it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks, how, how the numbers look with that part of the state opening up and people, people commuting there. So, yeah. And you know what, um, you were talking about exercising and I, I mean, honest with you, I really miss my, I miss my gym. I belong, I belong to, um, fitness works, which Mm -hmm. is located in, in the new center area, which is where I grew up. Shouts out to the center. The boulevard, yeah, West Grand Boulevard. <laughs> but so my gym is right there across the street from um from the Fisher Building. But uh, but they're not open um to the public yet. They they're doing, and I miss them so much because we have a pool that I was doing laps in, and we have you know a steam room and a sauna, and you know just great trainers and everything. Shouts out to Rodney. And shouts out to his mom. Um, just great, great, great trainers there. Great family. All the, all the like political, all the politicians go there. All the local celebrities go there. All the activists go there. So it's funny, like you'll see people, you know what I'm saying, from city council or different aspects, you know, there. Yeah, like y'all might be in the same, you know, fitness class or yoga class or something. And then y'all be you know, maybe in the steam room together and get dressed and everything and then turn around and then be, you know, be there protesting. <laughs> just, just, That's funny. But I, I kind of miss that. But um, 
I just wanted to mention that Planet Fitness, you know, that's a pretty popular gym in Detroit. They have set forth their plan to reopen. I know my gym, Fitness Works, has been sending us, um, they sent us like a whole workout thing to do and then they check up on us and then they send us like surveys about what they should do to reopen. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's really cool. It is cool, but um, and when it when it opens, you know, I'm, I'm back there because I know they're gonna be doing the right thing because because mm-hmm. it's also a part of Henry Ford Health System. So mm, that's true. That's I love a, that gym. That's a big, 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 you know, part of um, you know, why I why I'm there. But uh, my Planet Fitness, they released this. They have a 45 page playbook for what they're going to do. It says that they employ 1,300 people and they have 667,000 members. And it says that they are the largest gym chain in Michigan. So they got this whole 45-page <laughs> plan. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of pages, 45 pages. Um, mm-hmm. But me and my brain... What like with my gym, the first thing I was thinking is, what about the pool? Like, does chlorine kill it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how can we do the pool? And then, <laughs> you know, I love the steam room, but then, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a good way to pass and sharing showers and the locker room and all. I don't know. But, but um, so they have this extensive, like, transformation plan, right? And they're going to transform the judgment-free zone into the COVID-19-free zone. That's what they're calling it. So <laughs> That's cool. That's cool, right? So yeah. um, they're taping off their, like, the equipment. Um, they're making squares, like, in the free weight area. And they're encouraging their patrons to wear face masks. Um, they're doing routine temperature checks for employees. And their employees will be required to wear um masks and gloves and this is interesting i didn't know they were giving away this free stuff they they had a thing here they was giving away free pizza bagels and tootsie rolls and they said no more free pizza bagels or tootsie rolls that shouldn't be at the gym no way yeah i used to be a member there and it's so funny <laughs> they they would have those they would be like once a month reoccurring right so oh. it's like you know a lot of people who um are like bodybuilders and stuff I think that's really where they get it from they have you know cheat days or whatever so mm-hmm. they like they they do so much lifting working out so much like nutrition prep and then they have most people leave like one or two days where they like completely binge so I think mm-hmm. that's why Planet Fitness has the ha- well they always have Tootsie Rolls there but the pizza is like you know the the second Monday you know of the month and then bagels are like who knows like the first Tuesday of every month or whatever, but well, you know, um, they have um, like 80 locations or whatever, but that mm-hmm. people are really afraid to use the treadmills and stuff because they're afraid of getting sick. Um, mm-hmm. They're saying in addition to those changes, they're going to have check-in by mobile phone, um, at, Ooh, least, wow. at least six hand, hand sanitizer stations at each gym. Um, creation of a designated waiting area when the gym hits capacity. Interesting. 
no group classes are allowed. Um, there's usually 24-hour gyms uh, must close every night for cleaning. Mm. And I think, I don't know, I mean, the other stuff I named, but um, they're they're really relying, you know, heavily on this plan. And they are looking to see, you know, they're looking to keep all their employees, they said, if they can. And they're hoping that people um, continue to keep their, their memberships and don't quit. Um, I'm not a member of Planet Fitness, but I applaud them for, you know, stepping up to try to lead the way and um and and, and I don't know I'm I'm using the words lead the way, but th- that's the no gym that I've heard of you know talk about. It's 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 uh it's I think it's very wise and conscious of any tight like industry like that where it's it's like when you think about coronavirus and passing it, you know the first thing you think about is going to the gym, you know, you know, going to a small restaurant. So I think it's wise for people who are in certain confined spaces to come up with plans like that. One, because it shows good faith. You know, everyone is going to be noited for for a good year. Who knows? It could be past the year, you know. Um, So to me, it's a good selling point. You know, who would you rather go to a gym that you have a 45 page document or a gym that tells you social distance and wear a mask, you know, you're yeah. going to probably go to the gym that has the plan, you know? So I think it's in everyone's best interest uh, in these certain confined space industries to create something like that. So yeah, I, I applaud them as well. Yeah. Um. Well, we had a couple of other topics, but I wanted to see um, one of the topics I wanted to touch on is the Henry is the health systems, but the other one is the NBA. I think let's talk about the NBA right quick, and then I'll come back to the health systems. Yeah, you um you brought it up while we were just chatting that the uh, NBA is looking to resume um playing. I think they're going to start with the playoffs, uh, which a lot of in the beginning when people thought that the pandemic would probably you know slide off in around April or May, they were hoping that they would be able to like resume somewhat of the season. Cause I mean, I think the first player contracted mid March, early March, which March is uh, going towards the end of uh, most NBA seasons. They play naturally 82 games and April through. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, um, and April through June is when the normal playoff run is. So a lot of players early on were saying that they didn't want to go right into the playoffs because in, in the month of March, you know, each there's the Eastern Conference and there's the Western Conference. And the top eight teams in each conference is able to go. So that's, you know, 16 teams. So in March, if you are like the ninth seat or you're the 10th seat or the seventh seat, you're kind of fighting, let's just say the seventh through the tenth seed, you're kind of, you know, trying to fight to either make the playoffs or up your position in a playoff line. So to jump straight to the playoffs, some teams are at a disadvantage. But with it being, you know, an unusual year, I think um, economically and for just the, the love of the sport, it makes sense to go right into the playoffs. So um, they're, they're speaking about going right into the playoffs and then holding the playoffs uh, in Disney World. Um, which I don't think is a bad idea. Um, 
you spotted out the New York Times who kind of goes into, uh, you know, digs into a little bit of what the, the, the plan will look like. Um, for sure, they want to do temperature checks. Uh, they know that that's a must like most other corporations. I don't know if you guys know who Mark Cuban is, but he's the Shark Tank um, Shark Tank guy. And he also is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And I think he's a pretty well-spoken uh, person. I don't agree with everything that he states, but he thinks that it's mandatory that the NBA, if, they, if they're to do this, that they implement uh, the ability for players to be tested every single day uh, versus just temperature checks. And I saw him talking about this on, on national TV. He was saying that temperature checks can be beaten. A guy can pop in a couple of Tylenols and beat his fever, you know, before the game. So that doesn't necessarily do enough for as far as guys having or not having a coronavirus. So with basketball, I think they just said it a few episodes ago with basketball being one of the most uh, touchy sports. You know, I would agree that being able to test the players is going to be um, is, is going to be vital. Um, but I do I do think it's a good sign. Um, again, if they're able to start late July, um, that'll be, again, a good sign for the MLB. That'll be a good sign uh, for the NFL more so than anything, because I think the, the, the MLB is is a like golf is is more of a social distance sport than any other sport. Um, so if the NBA is able to keep cases low uh, or no cases at all, it'll be a good sign that the NFL, which is a it's, which is a more contact sport than the MLB. Uh, give them opportunity to see what the NBA did well and how they implemented it um, and what changes that they could make so that they could have, you know, more success. Mm -hmm. Um, I do find it interesting that um, in certain areas of the country where they've opened back up, uh, you look at another confined space, which are churches. Some churches are not having the best of looks. Um, I think some of the churches have tried to reduce the congregation to less than 150 people, but in Arkansas and in Georgia, uh, there have been exposures. Um, so I just think that that's something that they're going to really have to keep in mind. Is I would take a look at other places, even if it's not sports, other confined spaces like churches or smaller restaurants that can only feed, you know, 20 people, 20, 30 people at a time and how those restaurants and churches are doing to see, you know, is it worth it? You know, you have mixed feelings in the NBA. You have some people who say, just call the season. Um, then you have most of the players, I think they met two weeks ago, uh, led by Chris Paul and I believe LeBron James. Uh, there were some other superstars that were on the call, I believe Kevin Durant. And um, I believe, don't quote me, 90% of the players that were on that call voted for the season to restart. So this is this is this is being led by mostly by the players. The you know the NBA is a little bit different from the NFL in the sense that they allow the players to really dictate decisions. Um, they 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 want the players' input um, and and they give it. So we shall see how this ends. I guess too, when you think about it, like what what are the players basing that on? Because if they're being told that they only get money when they play, then that seems like that would have an impact on their decision. Because, like, Kevin Durant, he tested positive. Patrick Ewing tested positive. A couple of other players tested positive. Like, once, you know, because, because you know, the NBA, like, they 
pay people, you know what I'm saying? And then they put them in a certain positions and it's, and even though they do have backups or whatever, it's not like they could just, like if somebody gets sick, they could just replace that person. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yes, technically they could replace that person, but you know, the whole idea of paying them millions of dollars is because they're kind of irreplaceable. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Kind of special in a certain way, whatever, but I'm just, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. I'm just thinking like, you know, moving forward, it seems as though these players are, you know, pushing for that because they want to get, they want to get paid. Right. Cause, cause yeah. the owners are like, yeah, we didn't even have a season. Like I don't even have any revenue. Well, Mark Cuban that you mentioned, he's paying everybody regardless, but yeah, I could see, you know what I'm saying? Owners well, being like, Oh, well, how are we going to recoup? right? Like our money because we lost by there being, you know, no games or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, it definitely, that definitely driving that decision. Yeah. yeah. It definitely is a huge pillar. Um, some players were, I thought I saw some stories there talking about LeBron James. Uh, they want some of the players to give at least 20% of their salary back. Um, yes. Yeah, because you know they're contract. They're, it's a they, they're all on contracts. So depending on what's stipulated in the contracts that they negotiated with the team, the owner could be in right to ask for some of that salary back. You know, some players have it in their contracts that if you you get injured or you don't play, then you know you you have to give back some of your salary. So, um, it it's definitely probably like I said it's a, a, probably a huge pillar. Um, the other thing is, is when you follow some of these guys and you look at what they're doing in their spare time, they're probably bored out of their mind. I've never seen NBA players with their families this much. Like it, it almost is awkward. Um, you're so used to seeing them away and amongst each other. Um, I think a lot of them are just ready to get back, back at it. This is all, all a lot of them know is basketball. You know, so, you know, they do they've done everything their whole life to be in the position to play basketball and now they're not playing. So Mm -hmm. it's probably that's probably another big pillar. But I definitely think the the money is probably number one, like you're saying. So I just had a thought. I'm really hoping that if they're with their families, that that's like a good thing that they're bonding with their families. And me too. Interesting when you have a life when you don't really spend time with your family. Yeah. And then when you do spend what what I'm seeing on social media, and let me know if y'all see the same thing, is I see a lot of people haven't spent this much time with their families, and people are saying that they don't like it. (laughs) I've seen some of that, yeah. I've seen some of it. But I'm happy for some of these basketball wives and kids. These 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 players are they play 82 games so let's just say 30 percent of those games are away games like and then you have like the pistons in i think like december-ish they go on a western they go on like a western road trip where they play like six and seven like teams that are out west so they're not home you know mm-hmm. they're not they're nowhere near being home so well, I so, hope yeah. relationships stay intact. I hope people are bonding. You know, I hope these folks are bonding and stuff like that. Because, you know, I just hope. I just hope. I just hope. <laughs> Me too, 
Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I didn't see a date. Did you see a date for when? It just it just says late July. Late July, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. Right. Um, I don't know, Deja. Are you a basketball fan? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> like I like it, but I don't follow it enough to like keep up with like Bleacher Report and like stuff like that. Like I know players' names, but I don't I don't watch games on my own. That makes sense. It does. Yeah. <laughs> good sense makes good sense. Okay. <laughs> well, I wanted to. Um. So remember, like a few shows ago, when we did that really extensive show, and we looked at the um the, that hospital that they built. Uh, they they got all that money to build that hospital out of the uh, TCF center. Remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, and a lot of cities did. A lot of cities turned their, uh, those big arenas into this, like, big hospital for to deal with corona. And they admitted, I think it was, like, one patient or something like that. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, yeah, I saw, I saw it, that it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of patients. Can you believe that they spent all that money? for that and they like to transform they brought all the like military you know in there to fix it up and like did all that going to the space and to turn it into the hospital and then they just had one patient yeah that's crazy to me um so i don't i don't know what their plans are if they're gonna uh keep that as a hospital or they're gonna turn it back over into a convention center or what but i'm telling well, you i still think the thing is outfitted for the military to do some military stuff so um mm. and and we haven't hit because remember they keep telling us that there's going to be another wave and it's going to be in the fall and you know just like we were seeing all this death that we just saw in droves they're saying it's going to be worse in the fall so maybe they're just going to keep it like that and just prepare for the fall um at the pizzeria there's a young guy his name is shout out to nolan he's super cool his dad uh is runs the tcf center mm-hmm. and has and has for a couple years probably a little bit longer than that but nolan was saying that it's to his dad it's a double-edged sword because at least they were gonna they were able to create funds from the government from being able to create that hospital. Now if the hospital goes away, which I'm thinking it is going to go away, um, it's not like they're going to have any events in the TCF center. It's just going to be sitting there and they're not a hundred percent sure what that's going to mean. Um, they already, you know, the state already funded Cobo Hall, you know what I mean? So, um, with them not having anything going on, not being able to have any events, um, it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah, they're happy that 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 they didn't have to fill that up with patients and that it wasn't, you know, necessarily a need for the city, but it also sucks that that was the only thing that they had going. Was that? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I'm telling you, I- I still think that they outfitted that thing for some sort of military operation. and I wouldn't doubt it. And we haven't seen, they're just like, okay, just chill, just chill. 
and we haven't seen what they really going to use this thing for. Um, and, 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 you know, they may just keep it be, like, you know, for when, for this other wave that they're expecting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, but with that, so, you know, they built that center because the, all the hospitals in Detroit were overwhelmed. And I don't know if y'all knew, but Beaumont had to like close, had to close um, a hospital. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which is interesting because they, they close it in the midst of them being busy uh, and overwhelmed and everything. But um, I'm looking, but now that, you know, the numbers have been going down, thankfully, um, these hospitals are going to start going back to being able to take um, their, you know, their existing patients. And so all these, all the people that had had like other like non-essential surgeries or even just different types of surgeries, um, they're going to, folks are going to be able to, you know, schedule their surgeries and do, you know, the things that they needed to do. Um, But the big question is, will it be, will the hospitals be safe enough, right? For, uh, I'm going to use the word regular people to go back. I'm going to say people that don't have COVID, right? To go back because these hospitals have been full of COVID for like two months. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I wonder, I know that a lot of them designated wing, like COVID, have COVID wings. So I'm like, are they going to keep, if there's going to be a second wave, are they just going to keep these wings open? Like, why would you just like, if there's going to be a second wave, like, why would you transition it from being a COVID wing? Like, you should just keep it through the end of the year. You know what I mean? But then I don't know if they need that space, you know, to your point, for people who weren't, weren't non-essential but need surgeries, hip surgeries, need, you know what I mean, uh, a CAT scan, you know? Listen to these numbers. It says Henry Ford Health System in Detroit is taking full advantage of um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer's new order that allows resumption of healthcare services after May 29th by scheduling more than 7,000 surgeries and procedures through June. Um, the University of Michigan Health System has a backlog of about 12,000 surgeries. Or wow. Trinity Health has 10,000 postponed surgeries, and Beaumont Health Center has another 8,500 surgeries that were delayed, along with several hundred cardiac catheterizations and more than 9,500 imaging procedures. That's unreal, Piper. That's a lot. What the heck? That's a lot. Um, so wait, I'm gonna say some more numbers. Uh, so on May 21st, Michigan health officials reported 53,510 confirmed COVID cases and 5,129 deaths. But the average daily COVID positive case numbers have dropped by two thirds from a high of 1,632 on April 7th to 561 on May 21st. The daily deaths also have declined to 49 on May 21st from 145 on April 16th. So, yeah, we're in, what did you name those phases? 
there's six phases. We're I think we're in the um, flattening the curve phase three, uh, phase three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, you know, to what Henry Ford's um, chief financial officer said about eight thousand procedures had been postponed since mid-March. And on um, April the 17th, they began to resume time-sensitive surgeries and procedures for certain medical conditions like heart disease and cancer and spinal injuries. And about 1,000 of those have been conducted so far. So another 7,000 procedures and surgeries have been scheduled and are expected uh, to be completed by the end of June. Sheesh. And some of it's scheduled on Saturdays and Sundays. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's wild. I didn't realize that that many surgeries took place, like, in general. Yeah. Um, Oh, he says that about 4% of pregnant women coming in for deliveries have tested positive for COVID. Wait, how many? How much was the percentage? Four. Four percent? Mm-hmm. Mm. And he said um, that those numbers are much lower than the 15 percent positive rate of pregnant women in early April. Oh, wow. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that in, uh, for, for the, from the public testing results, we're showing that 20 to 30 percent of people uh, that were positive for, for COVID-19 mm-hmm. that, that they did tests on. And he's saying that those numbers have like drastically declined. And so, yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm looking in the, in the article to see where, you know, how they're going to redo a lot of this stuff. So like it says, for example, um, Eight operating rooms at Henry Ford Macomb Hospital were converted to a 16-bed COVID unit at Henry Ford Wyandotte Hospital. And um, that doubled its ICU capacity from 32, oh, to 32 from 18 beds. So um, he said about 2,800 employees were fur- furloughed last month. And he said it brought back about um, 40 of his outpatient medical centers. So this is all, you know, uh, they're naming like the numbers. I mean, if you want to look at financially, it says um, during the first three months of 2020, Henry Ford um, said his net operating loss was uh, $36.2 million which was a 75.6 million decrease from 2019 operating income of 39.4 million. So uh, it says non-operating losses for the first quarter was 198.3 million compared to non-operating income of 81 million in that same um, year, amounting to more than 280 million as a reversal. Wow. this is going to be an ongoing thing that we can probably look at because, um, yeah, like 
I don't know, you know, like people that that was one of my main concerns was like, what about people who really had to, you know, go to the hospital that, you know, weren't COVID? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was putting them in a huge risk. And I still think about it. Like, how are the hospitals really, really, really right? Like cleaning for COVID if that's where like all the COVID people are. Yeah, they still, like I was saying, they they have, most of them had designated COVID wings. So even though that they weren't like allowing non-essential surgeries, if you were a COVID patient, you would, they, you know, they transitioned the hospital to have, be able to take COVID patients and deal with them in a, in a, in a distinctive area. So wouldn't, it would reduce the liability of it spreading to other areas. So I just wonder if they'll keep those areas, but with all those surgeries you just mentioned and that they need to perform and all those different, um, you know, the different areas of the hospital that this, you know, the designated different types of surgeries, what did they, what did, what wings did they close down to make a COVID wing? And are those, are those wings going to be needed again? Are they going to be needed back? But I'd say if they're not, they need to just keep the COVID wings open, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess part of me, too, is thinking like, um, and I don't know, you know, this is just the random thoughts, but about the, that, 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 um, that hospital that they built, you know, out of the TCF center, like, what? Just my brain is thinking like, man, like that money that went to that to there, right? Could have been could have gone into the you know beefing up the existing hospitals. Mm. You know what I, mean? I hear you, Pipe. Because that whole hospital was completely redone and just freaking sitting there, and they they only still to date have only admitted like one patient. So, just thinking of like how that money could have been reinvested right into the existing hospitals to make sure that they had the equipment that they needed, that they, you know, maybe were able to, um, build on or add on, or, you know, be able to take care of the bodies that were um, coming in or be able to, you know, pay people sufficiently. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's like a big, it's like a big scam. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's what that's what's just at the forefront of my brain. How they move, how they're moving money. They're using COVID, like pretty much the government is open season, and you know they're just using COVID to like move money around. So mm. we'll be looking back at the history books on this one, and we'll be able to see uh, where you know where the scam, <laughs> where folks got scammed. You know. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, that's good news, though. There's some there's let's say optimistic news that you just presented about. I've I've been wondering um, what's been going on in the hospitals. And that's the first time I've heard like statistics. I've heard through the grapevine, you know, nurses or people who have had to go to the hospital say, well, the hospitals are, you know, they're slowing down. But I haven't heard the, the numbers like that. So it's interesting. Yeah. Um, 
I want to share because you brought up about Biden and Charlemagne. So I want to get into that, but I'm going to play this clip first. Um, I'm going to just set up the clip really quickly. So long story short, uh, well, tell tell us, tell us the long story short and then I'll play the clip. All right, Dave, did, did you, did you see in pipe? Did you see the, the interview with Charlemagne and Biden? Yeah. Yeah. It was like you said, I think it was like a 17 minute interview. Um, I thought that I, I, one, I think that, um, Charlemagne, um, my person, I'll just give it, I'll give it straight. Charlemagne had the opportunity to have Joe Biden on for about 17 minutes. And then within the 17 minutes, Charlemagne let Joe Biden know that he wasn't necessarily his strongest supporter, but was willing to listen to see if he had some type of formalized black agenda due to the fact that it seems that Democrats and Republicans both seem to take the black vote for granted. And shortly after Charlemagne states that Joe Biden, to me, uh, goes into a mono several monologues speaking to, you know, he shouldn't have to really prove much to the black voter because his resume speaks loud enough. And that, um, you know, there's several things that he's done that have directly and indirectly um, helped the, the black community. And that if, you know, you don't vote for him, you know, you're, you're not black. And it, it, it got a lot of press, mostly with, I would say, the right wing um, campaign season. So they, you know, they took it a soundbite and um, they had a field day with it for, I'd say, for a good two or three days. Um, the left, they definitely reported it. Um, but I would say that the, the, the right took more advantage of it than anything. So that's my perspective on it. Yeah. So with that, Charlemagne went on... I'm gonna call it a tour, <laughs> like a <laughs> tour. Um, so Biden's campaign manager, uh, Simone Sanders, did a whole like cleanup thing after, you know, going on all these platforms saying, "Well, what he meant to say was this, and what he meant to say was that." Um, and then Charlemagne went on a whole tour, and he was on like CNN and all these other places. But um, I wanted to play, or I want to play. Uh, he was on MSNBC and this is um, him basically saying that the best apology is a black agenda. And so I just want to play the clip. It's about two minutes. Um, The whole clip is like eight minutes, but I'm not gonna play the whole clip. I'm gonna just play about the first two minutes of the clip um, and you can check it out. Joining me now is Charlemagne the God of The Breakfast Club on Power 105.1. Charlemagne, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for having me, Joy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, So, you know, I don't know if you were able to hear Kareem. We had a little bit of an audio problem toward the end. But, you know, I want to, first of all, congratulate you on the interview. The interview, you know, people are talking about that last bit of it. Uh, that's the part that went viral. But the substance of the interview was really solid. You you had very blunt questions for Vice President Biden. They were about substance. They were about what you want to see for the community. Your listeners, um, I'm sure, give you lots and lots of feedback about what it is that they want from this man. What, what, what are people telling you that they want him to do? 
Um, just some really major policy commitments for the black community, uh, mainly in the form of economic justice, so we can, you know, tip the scales on some of this wealth inequality in America. Um, I do hear a lot of people say, you know, we also want him to have a black woman running mate, you know, but not just any black woman running mate, one that's going to actually, you know, get in office and care that black people benefit from her presence there. You know, we need substance and significance over symbolism. And he's already committed to putting a black woman on the Supreme Court. So I just want him and the Democratic Party to know that it's time to give back to the black community in a very tangible way. But I, I can say that, you know, the major the major point that I'm hearing about is just, you know, economic justice, some form of economic justice. And um, let me play the apology that um, Joe Biden gave. He, he got on a call with black business leaders and apologized for the comment that he made at the end of your show. Uh, let me let you listen to that. The last thing I want to do, and I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. I shouldn't have been so cavalier in responding to what I thought was. Uh, anyway, it, it was, I don't take it for granted at all. And no one, no one should have to vote for any party based on their race, their religion, their background. Do you, do you think there's a risk that not just Joe Biden, but the Democratic Party in general just takes for granted that, well, the black, the, you know, the black people are with us, so we don't really have to give them anything else. They're going to vote for us regardless. Look, they voted for Joe Biden in overwhelming numbers, six in 10 black voters, particularly in southern states, they all voted for Joe Biden. We don't need to offer anything more. Do you worry that that is the attitude that Democrats are taking toward the black community? So I'm gonna cut it off right there, and that's the uh, that's the conversation that I'm gonna just leave us with. Um, well, Deja, do you have any reaction to any of that? You there, Deja? Did we lose Deja? Well, I'll go to you, Brittany, while Deja's coming back. Um, I. Um, I think that I, maybe it's early pipe, you know, more than me. And I, I kind of want your a response to what I'm thinking because I could be thinking wrong. Um, I don't, I personally don't think that asking someone, um, in white America who is clearly disattached from black America, um, even if he is running for president, um, what is your plan for black people? I think black people need to say, this is what we want. What do you think about this? And can you give it to us? Um, I'm not saying Charlemagne had a bad interview. I'm just saying that I think that if I had the opportunity, I would have asked, I would have given him some of what, what black people want in more detail to see what his thoughts were so we can pick his brain Versus his him telling us, you know, what what we should or shouldn't do and how we should or shouldn't be thinking. We have the if we truly have the leverage that we know we have, then I think that we should be able to say, okay, this is this this is these are these things. You know, Flint, Michigan has had these issues for the last, you know, almost decade now. What are your thoughts on Flint, Michigan? How do you how would you have handled it differently? What are you willing to do on a federal level for Flint, Michigan? Something of that sort. Um, as far as Joe Biden goes, um, he's out of touch. He's out of touch. Um, and, I, you know, he has time. He has, he has a, five months. Um, but unfortunately, um, to Charlemagne's point, 
Democrats are going to have to let go of the Donald Trump discussion to me. It's, it it should have been let go two years ago and it should have been not only discussing a black agenda, but a democratic agenda. And I'm not, I'm not hearing a strong one. So when Joe Biden goes into these certain type of scenarios, he's going to get, he's going to get baited and he's going to get ate up. So I think this is a result of what people have been saying about the democratic party for the last four years. You've put your concentration on blasting Donald Trump through media, through um, late night. And now when it's time to talk about certain agendas and certain groups of people or demographics and you, 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 you don't even, you can't even say what you're running for correctly. You're telling people you're running for Senate. So, you know, that's my thoughts on it. I don't know. Did Deja, did you come back? Um, if you're speaking, you're muted. Me? Yeah, yeah. Did there you, you go, uh, Dash. There you go. There you go. Sorry. Okay. What was nope. your, um what was your reaction to like any of that? <sighs> Man, over it. That's it, just over it. <laughs> over it. I'm so over all of this COVID. I'm just that's part of the reason I'm kind of glad to go back to work is because I have like some sort of familiar normalcy in my life, but still just a lot of tedious and like there's just a lot of tedious aspects to the way everything is now. And I'm not mad at us being clean, but there's just so much to it. Oh, I was just, talking about the I was talking about the Joe Biden um um Charlemagne thing. Oh. Well, still, well, shit. I feel like he's not gonna do anything about it. This is just they're one and the same disease in Biden. Damn. But I know. I feel like he's just not. He's there is no lesser of two evils when it comes to these candidates for me. So I'm just not impressed, and nothing that they do surprises me anymore. Good or bad, I just. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, li- I'm listening to your points, Brittany. Because, uh, like, basically, they only gave Biden uh, 15 minutes. You know, for, I mean, I'm sorry. They only gave Charlemagne 15 minutes for the Biden interview. Yeah. And I guess... Uh, That's true. I guess that was basically, like, them saying like okay well we did our black interview or you know is Charlemagne representing all black media and that's all he's gonna say or is he like I got the black book sewn up so I don't need to talk to y'all or whatever um and it's interesting because he's got this policy called lift every voice policy right and um that's supposed to be his the lift every voice is supposed to be like his black agenda but when Charlemagne asked him about it, he act like he didn't even know the name of it. <laughs> he was like, I don't know, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I got my manifesto. And I'm thinking, like, what on earth? Like, they clearly did not prep him properly for this. Um that's what I'm saying. He's just as bad. Like, there's there's no winning. Yeah. No winning this presidential like, race. <laughs> they they uh I think, you know, 
he, to your point, Brittany, when he was going on his little diatribe about all he's done for Black people and whatnot, um, I mean, he was making it seem like all of his policies towards the carceral state were, like, humane or something. Mm. When this whole, he's a part of the the reason that we have mass incarceration at these rates, right? Because of his policy. Um, he's, you know, one of the authors of the policy, um, policies. And I think um, another thing that I found interesting, I don't know if y'all noticed, but he was trying to talk jive. <laughs> of course. He was trying to talk jive throughout the, throughout the entire interview. And yeah. Even when Charlemagne was like, you know, hey, you know, I've been critical of you in the past. And he was like, you don't know me, you know, like, Sean, <laughs> like you don't know me. Back up off me. You don't know me. And yeah, like, he did do that. So where, funny. where did he getting this from? Like, it was like, one of the, it was like a bad, it was like that part in um, Hollywood Shuffle when they'd be like, <laughs> It was kind of like, I'm just thinking like, I don't know. And then I think, I think, I think that the, um, the interview should have centered on, I think that's you, Brittany, the motorcycle. I think the interview should have centered on reparations. Like I know he was talking about economic, um, it's never gonna happen. That so that conversation won't really continue. If they do talk about it, it's to give us like like something to keep spinning on the hamster wheel. But I don't think they'll ever really have a serious conversation about that. Um, Not when they just gave everybody stimulus checks. Right. <laughs> a little baby stimulus, right? It's mm-hmm. not even a baby stimulus. It's like a it's like a a fetal stimulus. <laughs> That's hilarious. But I'm just thinking, like, you know, I just, I just feel that I, I still would have gone there. If I was Charlemagne, I got a big platform. Yeah, call him out for sure. I would have just been like, hey, because Joe Biden just rambled on and rambled on talking about what he was going to do. I would have cut straight through that. Like, what you got on reparations, though? <laughs> because his his you know and I would have challenged him like you know like your stance on reparations has been that you don't have a stance you know what I'm saying um what do you you know like Charlemagne said you know and and I guess for me um I'm I'm past the point like you know it doesn't matter if you have a black running mate or not mm-hmm. I mean I would like you to have a black woman running mate I want I want black women to be everywhere doing everything of course but at the end of the day <laughs> What's your policy? Like, what are your what are your actual policies? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You 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 can't throw put a carrot a carrot in front of the horse and think that like all of a sudden you're gonna get my vote. Like, uh, I don't care if I'm sorry if Michelle Obama is his running mate and Biden keeps having these slip ups. It, it to me it doesn't matter. You know, like yes, a good VP running mate. Um, like a Michelle Obama, and I saying I know Michelle Obama is not going to be his running mate, but just for the imagery, it would it would go a long way. But at the same time, he he needs to pull it together. He literally has five months. He cannot afford to keep going on TV 
and having, you know, slip-ups like this. He, he was completely unprepared, completely unprepared. And even when, even when Charlemagne says to him, you cannot do this to black media, he says, I can't do this to black media or white media. My wife has to be on here. Like, what the hell? Like, not, you're right, Charlemagne. Black media is important, and that's why I'm going to come back on, your, on, another, on another platform, and I'll be doing more interviews. I'll be doing more town halls. Specifically addressing black media is specifically addressing black people. But, like, everything about the interview was so, like, off. It was weird. Really weird. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the Democratic Party has shot themselves in the foot. Um, because they refuse to detoxify themselves from their racism and their misogyny. Mm. And and Trump is going to be our president again because the Democrats can't get it together. And I'm not a Democrat. Um, Let's be clear, I'm an independent. But I'll be honest with you. Even, I'll be honest with you, even though all this sucks, I'm going to have to hold my nose and vote for Biden, even though I think he sucks. And the only reason I'm going to do that is because I just don't want to like throw away my vote and then just not, you know, just give it to Trump by not voting. Um, even though both of them are the same, honestly. Like, well, I shouldn't say they're the same. Both of them are racist and both of them are misogynist. Um, I just hope Biden ain't a liar like Trump. He is a liar. Like all politicians, well, I shouldn't say all politicians are liars. What I mean, like I say specifically, like Trump, like I didn't say that or. What are you talking about? He was lying, like, talking to Charlemagne. True. Uh, I consider deflection a lie. I mean, people say it's not, but I consider, I, I would put deflection in the category of lying. I agree. You know, agree. Uh, you're still not getting to the point or saying. Right. But um, I don't do you know. Think, do you I think, know. Piper, that that there need to be um certain questions or certain things that we need to be asking him? Do you think that we are prepared as a community to ask for certain things? For sure. I mean, at this point, he needs to have a, not just him, anyone that runs for anything needs to have a reparations plan. Understood. And needs to have a team, you know, on board that has researched and, and has prepared a proper reparations plan. I mean, that's the main, for me, that's the main thing we need. I'm saying we, because we are the foundation of this freaking country. So yeah, he he needs a reparations plan and whoever's on his team, Simone Sanders and any other black people need to really get it together. I know they think they're doing something with this lift every voice thing, but that's a bit too moderate. Uh, for me, there's just too much disparity and, you know, this little stimulus check that people got and this, you know, they've opened up the country and, the, you know, America's for sale and it's for business. I mean, Trump is basically looting the American treasury at this point um, mm. and just giving stuff away. And that, you know, that's our reparations. Like we need to stop the bleeding and we need to have a proper plan in place, which there already is a plan in place, whether people, you know, that John Conyers put forth, um, the HR 40, 
I mean, yeah, it could be redone because it was created in the 90s, but we still need, mm. all, you know what I'm saying? We still need health care. We still need, you know what I'm saying, uh, our edu- access to quality education, like all the, you know, access to, to food, access to, um, you know, economics. I mean, all that stuff that is in there is still necessary. So including cash payments. So. I mean, it's a it's a ten point plan. Yeah, you can look at it and see what makes sense, you know, post COVID and moving into the future. But at the end of the day, it's really just a plan to e- equalize the system and create some equity. So, um, mm. for me, anybody that runs needs to get down with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the fact that Biden can't even pronounce reparations. You know what I'm saying? In 2020, post COVID. Like, <laughs> It just makes right. it's pathetic. He's pathetic. It, it honestly, um, I'm not trying to digress too much. I'll just say this that it honestly benefits the whole country for black Americans to have some type of push or incentive other than little Caesars arenas opening up and then it provides fifteen thousand jobs. You know, if you put money into the more money into the black community the black community has a track record of spending money in america so it's not like we're going to take the money and and dwindle it off and within our own economy even though we should i think there'll be there'll be some of that there'll be a lot of that but i think we have a track record of of being part of the ecosystem so it almost to me it's that's how you know People try to talk about we need to stop saying that race racism is a big issue. That's how you know racism still exists because it doesn't even economically make sense for you to keep these neighborhoods dis- disproportionate the way that they are. You know, so that's my last statement. Yeah, I'm done. I mean, I don't know. Well, Deja, did you decide on an artist for this week? Yep. So this week, my artist of the week is going to be Young RJ of Home Village. He just released an album um, with this other rapper, and the album is called, wait, I lost it. Um, it's called Hands Up. And it's basically about, like, not really police violence, but just kind of what we are going through in the Black community with the police. Yeah. Um. So the album cover is really cool. It's um, kind of split. It's like a split screen. So you have two hands up, and then the top of the screen, you have Black people wearing, like, masks or whatever um, with their hands up. Don't, like, like kind of with their hands up like it was during the Eric Garner protest, hands up, don't shoot. And then in the bottom half of it, you have Black people raising their hands in praise. So it's a really good album to me. Um, it's 12 songs. He has Illa J on here, Guilty Simpson, Slum Village, which I assume is just T3 added to it. But it's a young, I'm sorry, it's a young RJ, Mega Ran, and Abstract Orchestra album. The production is really good and the bars are there. So that's going to be my album of the week. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, and that's Detroit. Uh, Detroit you know, hip hop right there. That's a Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, well, he comes from, his dad is a legend. Um, his dad managed 
uh, Slim Village and, you know, Jay Dilla and all that. And, you know, he's a, he's a member of, well, is he, he's a member of Slim Village, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's Detroit hip hop right there. So shouts out to young RJ. Um, and yeah, we just want to, you know, uplift that this is, you know, in Detroit, you know, people are so political. They'd be so gangster and political, though. <laughs> but in Detroit, people do be conscious. I do appreciate that a lot about um, Detroiters. It's interesting the way the consciousness comes out of the yeah. of the Detroiter be wrapped up in, in so much street and gangster. <laughs> um, you know, that's There's just, like an etiquette to it when Detroit rappers talk about some gangster shit. Even when it's some hard, like, super misogynistic shit, there's like this etiquette that they all had to have about it from Jay Dilla to even the current rappers now, like FMBDZ, there's all this smoothness about it. It's interesting um, that, you know, in this time that he decided to do uh, a, you know, an album about um, police terrorism, it's very much needed. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as we continue to watch um, this impending case of Ahmad, rest in peace, uh, I think we're going to talk about that maybe next week. What do you think? That's perfect. Yeah, we'll know more. Um, but I think that's a great way to end on some Detroit hip hop, on some conscious Detroit hip hop, conscious gangster Detroit hip hop. <laughs> um Hi, really quick though. I, speaking yeah. of that, I really want. Can you give us the background of the mixtape that you sent us, um, oh. Muslim Women in Hip Hop? Yeah, actually, I did two since we had um, our last show. One one of them was for Mother's Day, and I did a um, a mixtape for We Found Hip Hop, our org for women in hip hop. Where if you go on SoundCloud um, and look look up We Found Hip Hop, we have a, a we did, I did a playlist actually, and the playlist is all mothers who well, not all but a bunch of mothers who are MCs. That's and, so dope. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I just decided like to start working on you know these playlists because I wanted to um, just basically give some give some reverence where, you know, we always talk about what's, what we don't see or what's not there. And so I figure, you know, me, I'm always going to do what, uh, push, put into the world what I want to see. So if you go on SoundCloud, you go to the, we found hip hop SoundCloud, it's called, um, mothers and hip hop. And I use an image of a black Virgin Mary, um, holding a little baby black Jesus. And it's got Mahogany Jones on there, Mama Soul, Maimona Youssef, Queen Heroine, Soleil, Solange. Um, this song with um, uh, Lauren Hill with Pusha T, uh, Erica Badu, Jessica Caremore, Idea, and Tiana Taylor. So it's pretty cool. You know, check that out. Um, the song by um, Solange is actually an instrumental 
So um, that's pretty cool because, you know, I like to feature women that are making beats and everything. So that was that was the first one. And then the second one I made, it, it came out um, yesterday, actually. And that one, because, um, you know, I'm Muslim and yesterday was Eid. So Eid Mubarak to everyone that's Muslim that was celebrating. I decided to do a Muslimas in hip hop, uh, Muslim women in hip hop playlist. And I did this one on YouTube. And this one has um, Neelam, Alaya Sharif, um, featuring Amina Bell, um, I Say Yell Slay, um, Mumu Fresh, which is Maimuni Yusuf, uh, Taslim, Jamila, um, B-Girl Mama, uh, Poetic Pilgrimage, Musina, Mona okay. Hagar, Alam, Ain't Afraid, Liza Garza, um, Drea Endure with Akua Naru, um, Asa Nasara featuring Umisa, Sarak, Asa Leonis, The Reminders, and um, Jessica Caremore, and, and uh, the piece she did um, featuring um, Kareem Riggins. Uh, and I think The Reminders is also a husband and wife, so just wanted to um, honor that. Um, Musina is a vocalist and also like makes beats and everything. And B Girl Mama, um, she's doing she's a, a B girl. She's down. We found hip hop, but she's also doing music. So that one is um is some some music production off a beat that she did. If and all of these are just like different songs. The one from um, I Say El Slay, I like that one because she's just talking about being proud, you know, being from Mecca and they called for her arrest because she made that song and she's covered and is very respectful and is modest and everything. But I think they just didn't want people to know that it's black people from Mecca. They don't want a black skin person. You know what I'm saying? Like representing Mecca. Um, some of the songs on, on here are, are new. Some of them are a little bit older I gave you a little bit of different things. The one, Nilan, I think you'll like that one a lot, Brittany. It's called Secret Meetings. It's about being in the music industry. Um, the one with Alia Sharif is called Black Heroes, and it's just like an ode to Black Heroes. The one I put on there for Moo Moo Fresh, that one is just, a, um, I shouldn't say just, but that one is, is, a, is an acoustic, and um, it's like a live acoustic performance at um, Baltimore College. And it's okay. a practice. Now she's an MC, but she's also a vocalist. And so I wanted to kind of highlight that about her. And, and and the rest of them are just really, really great songs, um, positive messages. And yeah, so there's some good, some more good music for everybody to check out. Um, you know, some of the folks are from Detroit and, and every other place. So yeah. But um very cool. Bye. Thanks. Did y'all want to leave folks with, um, oh, and also remember we have our book that's out women rapping revolution. Yes. Yes. And, and so that's, um, by professor Kelly Hay and Rebecca, Rebecca, Dr. Um, Rebecca Ferrugia and from Oakland university. They are professors that studied our movement 
and have written a book about it. And it's out now. It's available on Barnes and Noble and also on Amazon and also on University of California Press. So we want you to purchase that. It's only $25. It's called Women Rapping Revolution, spelled properly. Um, did y'all have any closing words before we go? It'll be, be nice to see you guys soon. I miss the both of you. And same. Glad that we're able to do the show. When you work out, you should do a um, video chat and help I us. I got you. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, Granny needs some help. I'll stop it. I know. So, uh, <laughs> well, I just want to um, remind folks that we do have our social media. We want you to, um, you know, check in on us, ask us questions, let us know that you're listening to the show, share the episode. Uh, we've been recording on Zoom. But I've been talking to Kari, and hopefully we'll be getting our microphones pretty soon so that um, we can upgrade the experience for you. Um, we are nominated for a Best of Detroit Award for Best Podcast, so uh, those are in June, so we want to keep promoting that. I'll keep promoting that and have folks vote. We want you to send in your show ideas and you know let us know what you think. Um, about what we're doing and let us know if you're a great artist with no misogyny and, and a great message. Um, you want to get your music to Deja so she can listen to it and see if she wants to play it on the, on, on the podcast and check us out on the Detroit is different website. So we've got Detroit is different.net. There's all the podcasts that are on there that you can listen to. Also, you want to go to on Instagram pc.podcast and guess what now we finally added to facebook it took a minute but we have piper carter podcast on facebook we have a facebook page and we have a facebook group both are piper carter podcast and you can email piper at detroitisdifferent.com or you can email Brittany at detroitisdifferent.com and um deja give your instagram my Instagram is Katori T. That's C A T O R I I T. Yeah. So hit us up. Now you have all the places that you can hit us up. And <laughs> we appreciate you listening. And we will see you next week. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. Old habits went the same way you see D-cells New standards we held for women, not females Mud made monsters who grew up on 30 men codes And Contra, shocking like Blanca How we can still conquer with no sponsors at the concert Throw your hands up until your arms hurt AZ to Zanakin, cats stay panicking Whenever Rand is in, they standing stiff like mannequins Anvil, Jim Nodhart, playing my part Dodge darts, the devil hate me like Rod Smart